Glory to God. Amen? Glory to God today and always. And thank you to uh, our musicians, the worship team again today, to TJ for leading us, Pastor Wayne for praying. Um, it, it's good to recognize without, as, as TJ said, this, we have no desire to give glory to war, but we want to give glory to peace. Amen? We want to give glory to God for peace and for hope that comes uh, through Jesus Christ, who is our Prince of Peace. I, uh, I have a friend who's been involved over the last number of years with helping refugees who've come to Canada. And once they've come, this, this friend of mine has been involved in helping them to get oriented in Waterloo Region and, and uh, just absolutely loves spending time with them and helping them to get connected, helping them to learn, helping them to enjoy a completely different life than what it is that they had been experiencing before. Uh, I am saddened whenever I hear a story of someone just callously saying to somebody that they've never even met before, you go back where you came from. Or why don't you go back to your own country? And how quickly it seems in our selfishness that we can forget that there's not one family in this country that we're part of except for those who were here first. There's none of us who could say that we weren't at some point in time in our families that we weren't immigrants. Uh, this, is, this is to be enjoyed and shared, the freedoms that we have. And then when we have fears about people coming, you know who we need to take those fears to? We need to take them to the Lord and say, Lord, what do I do with them? With the fears. And how can I help to be an inviting person and not somebody who says, go back where you came from? But rather, let me help you here uh, to enjoy freedom, not just freedom physically here in Canada, but freedom in Jesus Christ. Now, I know that Jesus would not say, go back where you came from. I know Jesus would say, how can I help you? Uh, most of us can only imagine the kinds of hardships that, that many refugees have had and do have. And my friend gave me a few details of the journey of, of one family uh, that came to Canada not that long ago that my friend has been, has been spending time with. And here's, here's a little bit of their story, which is repeated over and over and over again in the lives of so many. They escaped persecution from a Middle Eastern country. And, and I, I just asked my friend, I said, so, so tell me, what are some of the challenges that, that they faced? Number one thing they had to do, if they wanted to get out and come to the West, the first thing they had to do, and I would never have thought this is the first thing they needed to do, is they had to find a smuggler. Who would have thought of that? Because we think of smuggling, and there was this, this tragic event uh, recently of 39 people. We understand they were all from Vietnam who ended up in a refrigerator truck going into Britain and all of them suffocated to death in that truck. Horrendous. A number of them young people just, just looking for an opportunity to live out the abilities that they have and to experience some freedom. 
So first they had to find a smuggler to pay. And then for 15 hours, this family crossed mountains. You know, we flew over the Rockies a couple weeks ago, my son and I. And it's just a marvel. If you've ever flown over them, it's just, it's just mind-boggling to think that some people have actually traversed them uh, to settle here in Canada. So these folks, 15 hours over mountains, carrying all that they could take with them. So all that they could is all that they had. And through the snow and the cold of the mountains. And once they got to the other side, the smuggler bolted. Because they had run out of money. And so the smuggler said, well, you know, if you, we're over the mountains now. If you give me some more money, I'll, I'll, I'll take you somewhere safe. So, well, we didn't realize that was the deal. <laughs> and away he went, took off on them. Now, fortunately, they had some contacts. Uh, and, and, and the smuggler actually had to come back and take them. So, uh, too bad. But that was great. Anyway, I was glad to hear that. So they eventually registered in the country that, that they arrived at over the mountains stayed with a relative who was living there, and, and by God's grace, they, they had some network. He, he the, the, the brother of one of the family members, could network and knew some people. And then the next leg was to get to Greece in a boat. See, when we watch that stuff on the news, I, I don't know what kinds of emotions come up with you, but, but there is at least a temptation to think, oh, no, not some more of them. Why don't they just stop trying to do that? And yet, you know, all they want is what we have. And then there's maybe the inclination to say, yeah, but what right do they have what I have? I think people actually think that without maybe realizing it. And I think part of the answer to that ought to be, well, what right do I have to have what they don't? Right? And what right do I have to have so much more than they have? Previously, two, of their other, two relatives of theirs had died on a similar attempt to get to Greece by boat. A mother, a young mother, and her child. They, uh, they stayed in that country before getting on to Greece. They stayed in that country for two years with this relative. And eventually networked, and, and a church in Ontario agreed to sponsor them. And they successfully applied for visas to become uh, permanent residents of Canada. Uh, they're not, they're not uh, citizens yet, but they're permanent residents of Canada. And they were so excited, my friend told me, they were so excited to get these identification cards, these ID cards, because, number one, it gave them this sense, with just this little laminated card, gave them the sense that they actually counted. Because for now, for a few years, they had no ID. And, and so in the world, they have this feeling of, of I, I, I don't matter, I don't count. So they got these ID cards. They were so excited to feel so much safer in this country. And you know, it will take months and months, if not years, for them to learn to live in freedom. Because they will continue to look over their backs for a while, just wondering if somebody's going to show up coming after them until they can finally say, you know what, I'm free. And then they'll also have to deal with some of the taunts and the jeers that come from people who just shouldn't say some of the things they do. One way that we self-identify 
And uh, TJ brought out his passport, which was wonderful. Just what a great prop. Thank you for that. Because I didn't bring mine. Uh, is, our, is by our citizenship. My dad was a high school teacher who led a lot of trips to various countries. He would take students to various countries. And both then and now, travelers know that when they identify as Canadians in most countries, they're warmly welcomed. Isn't that awesome? I mean, Canada is greatly respected around the world. It's still true. Thank the Lord for that. We have a great reputation. So friends of ours recently traveled to Ireland, and they, they went into a restaurant. Uh, it was a pub. And, uh, and while they're reading together, friends from BC, while they're reading together, an Irishman came along and he heard them talking and recognized from their, their talking that they obviously weren't from the area. And so he said to them something like, Ah, I see you're Americans, are you? I don't know that he sounded like a leprechaun, but... <laughs> probably not. But he said, So I see you're Americans. To which my friend replied... Oh, I see you're English, are you? <laughs> and he said, it, it got so quiet. There was this tense silence, and he was afraid that, that, that maybe he was, he was <laughs> going to start a brawl. Uh, but then, fortunately, the gentleman understood his point, And he said, oh... You're Canadian. And he understood. Thankfully, too, my, my friend is a very fit, recently retired police detective <laughs> who could have handled himself. But isn't it amazing about how, how fiercely loyal some people are to their nationality? And that is very true in, in Ireland and in Northern Ireland. There's no way they want to be called English. Because their citizenship, specifically to the region uh, where they grew up, is so important about their, their identity. When you're in another country, you can confidently and proudly identify as a Canadian. And for most of us, the only effort that it takes, or that it took for us to become a Canadian citizen, forgive me for saying this, but was to make it through the birth canal. Like it was the only effort that was required of us to become a Canadian citizen was to safely get through and out of that birth canal uh, because we were born into that freedom. And it was our birthright to be Canadian citizens. While for others, so many people, it's such a harrowing ordeal. And there's some people in this room have, who have experienced harrowing ordeals to get to this country to become Canadian citizens. To be able to live in a country of relative peace and safety. But one day, that citizenship, for every one of us, one day that citizenship will no longer be valid. After we breathe our last breath in this, in this earth, those who are left to mourn your passing will celebrate your life. And for at least a little while, will consider or reconsider what really matters most. You know, that's what happens when, when, when people pass on. 
And, and then we, we consider and we reconsider, even briefly, about what's really, really important, what's most important, what really matters. And even about what identifiers really should matter most in our life. And so let's not wait for the passing of, of our next loved one to seriously consider that. Let's do it right now and, uh, and for a couple more weeks and, and, of course, beyond that too. In one of his letters to the early churches, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians and he makes a reference to citizenship. So he wrote this letter to the region of Philippi, one of the letters in the New Testament, and he wrote about another citizenship, which, which TJ's already referenced today. And we call this series Identity Crisis, in part at least because as Christians we get so easily drawn back into the wisdom of the age, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Where I suggested that the wisdom of the age is a wisdom that has a lot to offer, but it doesn't acknowledge that its ultimate source is God. And that the ultimate source of all that is good and all that is wise is God. And God ought to be given credit for that. God should be recognized for all of the good and the faithfulness and the amazingness of who he is. And we should give glory and credit where it's due. So in the second half of his letter to the Philippians, Paul wrote these verses. If we could get those uh, up on the screen. Philippians 3, verses 17 to 19, and then two more verses. Will you read these with me? Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And I do not, I'm not proud to say that, you know, a lot of times that just really describes me. Did you say that about yourself sometimes? To say, Lord, if, if I'm honest, uh, my God is my stomach sometimes. Or whatever else it might be on this earth where my God becomes something that I own. Or my God becomes myself. And that I want to make a statement or make a claim about who I am. And I want people to know that. Because I matter and I'm enough. And we say, well, I get that. But I want to declare that Jesus is enough. And that's where I want my identity first and foremost to be grounded. So that I'm not constantly trying to prove myself or constantly trying to drum up my self-worth based on other people's metrics or other people's measurements. That rather, I want to be set free from all of that. So I don't have to keep comparing myself with my neighbors, or with my friends, or with my enemies, with somebody that I love, or somebody that doesn't love me. 
that that's not where I need to determine my value. I don't need to be comparing myself about things that do not last. It's not to say they're not important. But sometimes my God is my stomach and my glory is, is really in what I should be ashamed of. And my mind gets set on earthly things. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> and that's what that's where that's where we're focusing this morning. This is this is just a, a really important reminder. That yeah, you know what? Sometimes I get so caught up in what's going on here that I'm I'm missing the boat. I'm missing the boat to that destination, which is about my citizenship, where I'm going to end up for eternity, where I am a citizen now. Paul begins this, this is, this is about halfway through, in the second half of the letter of the Philippians, and he says, follow my example. Now, I think that's a pretty bold statement, don't you? Now, it's expected for a parent teaching a child, you know, do what I do, follow, what, follow my example. For a supervisor uh, onboarding a new employee to say, this is your new job and you follow my instructions, you follow my lead. Uh, Paul's not talking about isolated things like that. Paul's writing and referring to his life and his character and his spiritual priorities. And he says, you know, my life has been an open book to you. Follow my example. I want to encourage you today. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel hard-pressed by this. But I want to encourage you today that you can say the same thing to people over whom you have influence. Amen? That you can say, follow my example. Because that even means that when I mess up, that how I respond in that situation is an example that I want to set for you. That in my humility, I will apologize. I will recognize wrong. I will go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your cleansing forgiveness. And that's part of the example that we set. In a world that's on edge about a lot of things today, people need hope. Not false hope. Not dreamy hope. Uh, People need hope that they can sit up and take notice about. And they will sit up and take notice when they see something that really works to bring joy and grace and love and hope in our lives. People don't want theory. They don't want to be told stuff unless they can see the evidence that, yes, this is true. Amen? And they want to see a difference. And Jesus can do that through us. People need to see something, a difference that, that comes from our very core. So speaking of core, you know how hot the sun is? I bet, I, it's a hundred, is it a hundred hot? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I bet I'm going to tell you. So according to nationalgeographic.com, that's where I went to, to check this out. The surface of the sun is 5,500 degrees Celsius. That is, that's 100 hot. Absolutely 100 hot. 
5,500 degrees Celsius. But there's more. There's something more that is much more important than that number. At the core of the sun, the heat of the sun goes from 5,500 degrees. Let me get it right. to 15 and a half million degrees. And you go, there's not even any comparison. Man, I thought that, I thought that 5,500 degrees Celsius was hot. And it is, because on the surface of the sun, there are just uh, explosions going on all the time. Nuclear explosions, one after the other, going on, on on the surface of the sun. But at the core of the sun, 15 and a half million degrees Celsius. Why do I tell you that? Because what's going on on the surface is evidence and shows what's going on in the core. What goes on on the surface of the sun is possible only because of how unbelievably, ridiculously hot it is at the core of the sun. So if the core of the sun got too much cooler, we would all be in a heap of trouble. Because it wouldn't just be that the surface temperature of the sun goes down, but then that would affect the heating of the earth, it would affect the growth of life, and it would affect our ability to continue to live, the sustainability of life on this earth. And in the same way, there is a life and a purpose and an eternal hope that will be evident often enough on the surface of our lives. And, and when I say people are watching us, it's not to say, you know what, I better be careful and watch what I do. And that may be true, but I just want to encourage that, that it's not coming from the place of, I need to be careful what I do, but I need to be tapping into what's at my core. Because in the same way that that core of the sun is what's necessary to see what's going on on the surface, at our core, at the core of us, is the Holy Spirit in the lives of followers of Jesus. What Paul called the imprint or the seal of God in our spirits is the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. And like everybody else, we need to deal with life and work and deadlines and appointments Uh, we've got things we need to deal with. Like everybody else, we need to give particular priority to things like our family and and to our work. And we obey the laws of the country of Canada that we love. When we tap into the Holy Spirit, how we respond to different situations is what will get people to sit up and take notice. And not because we're behaving to think, oh, I hope they're watching now. Because that's, It's when we don't realize it. It's when we don't realize it that people are watching and they say, you know what, I saw how you responded to that situation when you were in the heat of the moment. And uh, I was impressed because I might have flipped. But you didn't. I might have exploded like on the surface of the sun, but you didn't. Or how 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 you love your children. How you carry yourself with 
integrity in your work that you will not do some of the things that you may be tempted to do, to cut some corners or to do something that's unethical. The simple takeaway, the simplest takeaway from this morning's message comes in verses 20 and 21. Let's read these together. But our citizenship is in heaven. Can we stop there? Will you say hallelujah with me? Will you say it again? One more time. Hallelujah! But our citizenship is in heaven. Let's carry on. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Woo! I mean, you got to get excited about that. When I was a child, I was taught that if I invited Jesus into my heart, I would go to heaven instead of hell. And amen to that. Yet, while I understand the concept of, of salvation was meant to be simplified so that children could understand it, um, there's more to it than that. It's not just that I invite Jesus into my heart so I get to go to heaven. Woo! And when we get focused on this earth and we get consumed with the things of this life, that's functionally how we're living. And so thank goodness Jesus saved me. I'm good to go. Now let me just enjoy my time here on earth and do whatever I want. That's pretty risky business that calls into question our actual relationship with God. Uh, Because I want to suggest, in addition to the concept of salvation, going to heaven instead of hell, uh, I I think if, if we're going to score a windfall like eternal life, there's got to be some short-term benefit already, doesn't there? I mean, I mean there's got to be something now. It's not like just one day, it's going to be eternity, you've got to wait for it, just do your best while you're here, you know, just kind of trudge along, and eventually you're going to get this reward that you should never deserve in the first place. Then it's kind of like talent shows. You ever watch talent shows and they say, you know, the winner's going to get a million dollars. No, they're not. Because when you read the fine print, it does not say you will get paid a million dollars. It says if you want the payout now, you will get a percentage of that million dollars. And it, it, I think it's less than half. And that's the end of the deal. If you want the million dollars, you get an annuity. And an annuity is a really nice sounding word that means a whole lot less. <laughs> Every year for the rest of your life. And if you live to be 150, you'll probably get the full million dollars. And I'm exaggerating. My point is that I wish that we'd been told as kids, not just that we have heaven to look forward to, instead of eternity without God, which I do not even want to try to comprehend. But that even now, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, 
we have successfully defected from the dominion of darkness into the dominion of light. Who wants to say amen to that? Because the prince of this world, the prince of this earth, who is alive and well, not just an idea, not just a concept, not just a theory, because we've experienced him, that Satan is alive and well, he is the ruler of the dominion of darkness, and we have defected from there into the dominion of light. And we have become citizens of heaven. And praise the Lord, our passport doesn't need to be renewed. I want to go away with my boys this winter, and, and it, it dawned on me that neither of their passports is current. We're not getting out of the country <laughs> without those passports. But we can just so thankfully and confidently say, our citizenship is in heaven. And, and I want to encourage you this morning, if there's nothing else to take away from it, is to, is to say, you know what, I need to keep being reminded of that. Because it, it's easy for me to remember that I'm a Canadian citizen and that I'm loving living in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. But that's not what matters. We need to remember that it's not the temporary finite things that will not last. Those are not the most important. The most important are the things that we understand are actually going to last forever. And so we can be reminded, I'm actually a card-carrying citizen of heaven. Now! And so that, that seal of the Holy Spirit, He is at work in my life, affirming and reaffirming and confirming that I am a citizen of heaven now. And that as a citizen of heaven, there are so many rights and privileges. And they include, among other things, these things. Some of these wonderful things are that we have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The writer of the book of Hebrews remind us of that, that, that the veil was torn from top to the bottom of the temple that separated the holy place from the holy of holies which is the glory and the presence of God. We have direct access to the Father now. We need not fear. We can be right in His presence. We have the right and the privilege of also anticipating having a personal meeting with the King in a few years. And I mean when you die. And when I pass away. When I, when I breathe my last breath. We can actually see the king personally. We can see Jesus as he is. And that can affect, and that should affect, what's most important to me now. We, we experience the generosity and the love of the king. God loves everyone. I believe that. God loves every person. And a parent has a living relational love with his or her children. And so while God loves everyone, that love is manifested in a relational way that cannot be experienced if you're not a child of God. God still loves. But when, when a parent is a child, there's a love for that child that is unlike the love for any other person. Many of you know what I'm talking about. So we can't experience that same kind of relational love with God 
unless we've come into that relationship through Jesus. We have experience, we have the right and the privilege of acceptance and affirmation and adoption. Will you please receive that today? God accepts you as his child. God affirms you as his child. And God has adopted you into his family, as Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He has also given us participation in the greatest community on the face of this earth, which is the community of his children, of his saints. We're going to talk about that some next week, to be part of the church. And I love being part of the church. Will you, will you give God glory now that you're part of the church? I mean, can we just say thank you, Lord? Amen? Amen? Uh, I mean, it's good to be part of the church, and I want, I want that to be the case. So that we don't need to mumble and mutter and, 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 and be upset. We can say, Lord, what a great community to be part of. Because that will only spread to the community. It will spread beyond the community. The people that we support as missionaries, over and over, as, as, I've, as I've gotten to meet some of them, they say, they say, and, and I'm not making this up, they say, I love Wilmot Center Church. They say that. And, and no matter how warm or cold it is outside, she just, thank you, Siri, she just told me it's two degrees outside. I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't even talk to Siri very much. But I guess I've been ignoring her. I, So we have participation in the greatest community. <laughs> we also have a legal right spiritually to citizenship in heaven. We have a legal right. That's what justification is by Jesus. That, that legally in the spiritual realm we have been given that right. And Jesus said in John 14 verse 2, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were otherwise, I'd tell you. One of your rights and privileges is that your name is on the deed of that place that Jesus is preparing for you. Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have been recorded in the register of the heavenly municipality to be on the deed of that place that Jesus has been preparing for you. Amen. And you and I have been given an unbelievable eternal inheritance. An unbelievable eternal inheritance with all of these rights and privileges and so much more to live and to reign under Jesus in the heavenlies for eternity. 1 Peter 1 verse 4 tells us this. We obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It has been reserved in heaven for you. Praise the Lord. I want to read to you two more verses from 1 Peter as I invite the, the musicians forward. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 is for me... And for all of us, a very important reminder 
about the ordering of our citizenships. 1 Peter 2 from verse 11. To remember about what our relationship with this earth ought to be like. And there Peter wrote in the first of his two letters, Beloved, loved ones, I urge you as aliens. What a great word. I urge you as aliens and strangers. And the implication is on this earth. This is not our home of origin. We said, I said before, we are seated spiritually in heavenly places at this very moment with Jesus because we are in Christ and he is in with the Father and we are all in together, but we are with him. I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from the acts of the flesh and lust that wage war against the soul and keep your behavior excellent among others because of your good deeds as they observe them, they will glorify God in the day of visitation when, when Jesus returns. We're going to talk more about that next week and in the next two weeks because with citizenship come responsibilities. But let's remember today, I needed this reminder because I do get caught up, who doesn't, and just how blessed we are in this country. But to such an extent that I can get distracted from remembering, you know what? That shouldn't be what drives me. What drives me is I'm a citizen of heaven. And I am an ambassador on this earth for Jesus Christ. I'm a stranger in this land. Even as the people of Israel saying, how can we sing a song to you, Lord, in a strange land when they were in the captivity of the Babylonians. We are in a temporary land. And we're looking forward to that day when we will be with our Lord and Savior for all eternity. But let's not even wait till then because we are living now in the eternal with all of those rights and privileges of being citizens. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that worth celebrating? Isn't that worth worshiping God and giving Him glory? Let's pray together. Lord, I'm asking today, I'm asking this morning, Lord, that you would fill our hearts with joy. That even on a, on a cloudy, dreary day, when the trees look lifeless now, and the thought of of winter is soon to be setting in and coming, just strikes dread into the hearts of many people. Not everyone. I thank you for the beauty of snow. But Lord, I thank you that with that backdrop of, of, of so many things that can bring us down, whether it's the weather or it's circumstances or it's relationships or or it's just a concern about where is this world going. That, Lord, I thank you that beyond all of that, there is a greater backdrop. Because just, Lord, I thank you that just as the sun always rises, so to speak, that you are always there in your glory. 
and that we are with you, in you, citizens of the heavenly. And Lord, may your glory be known. Lord, we continue to petition you, Lord, and to ask, Lord, may your glory be known. May your glory fall among your people. And Lord, help us to embrace, to accept, and to thrive in our heavenly born-again birthright. That we now have a birthright, not from physical birth, but from spiritual birth, to experience and to live out the joy of that citizenship which we have. And without shame and without fear and without reservation, to worship you and to live in confidence and in assurance and in authority and in victory in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit.